You know, as Americans, we have this, this work ethic that you get what you pay for, whatever, if you want something, you work for it, you put in the effort, you put in the sweat equity to get it. And as Americans, this made us a great nation, but when we apply that template of our work ethic to the idea of God's grace, um, it kind of trips us up because God does not relate to, to us based on our performance. He doesn't relate to us based upon how well we do or how poorly we do. Um, so the idea of God's grace can, can be somewhat of a confusing thing uh, because we think that if you do good, then you're going to get good. It's called the Deuteronomic formula in seminary. But if you do good things, then good things will happen to you. It's kind of based on the principle of you reap what you sow. But y'all, on grace, that doesn't really apply. Uh, grace is given to you, and it's yours. It never leaves. It never vanishes. It never leaves town. The Bible is very clear that God saves us by grace. We know that. But y'all, not only does he save us by grace, but he blesses us by grace. He uses us for his kingdom by grace. He teaches us by grace. He keeps us saved by grace. And one of these days, he's going to take us home to heaven by grace. Uh, grace is not just for salvation, but grace is something that you possess forever. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, Whatever I am now, it's because God has poured out his kindness and his grace on me. And I want you to notice the sequence in John 1.16. Where does the blessing flow from? Where does the blessing come out of? Now the Bible tells us in the book of John, for the fullness of His grace, we have all received blessing after blessing after blessing, or blessing after one another. Where does the blessing flow out of? Grace. Thank you, Mrs. Schaefer. The the idea of blessing or the legitimacy and the reality of blessing flows from grace. Um, how many of y'all have experienced grace? Aren't you glad you have? Uh, you know, if you've experienced grace, you're, you're thankful for it. But the reality is that we don't always find it easy to sense God's goodness or God's grace when we're going through the stuff, uh, when we're going through the divorce or we're going through the trial or we're going through a tough time at work or at the house or when kids are moving out or, or whatever. Uh, sometimes it's, it's hard to kind of feel him in our life and frequently we have trouble remember we have trouble remembering how good God is and how gracious God is and it's kind of hard to see sometimes we're in the middle of the stuff we're going to start a four-week series called grace under fire because I believe that grace is something that God uses to form us during those tough times in our life to look more like Jesus to walk fuller in his grace and and to to uh to be revived uh first Peter 1 7 I looked at this verse, and the thing about this verse is that it tells us that it puts a value on our faith. It puts a value on our faith. The Bible says this in 1 Peter. He says, pure gold, puts in the, uh, pure gold put in the fire comes out, and it's proved true, genuine faith. Put through suffering comes out, proved genuine. When Jesus wraps all this up, it's your faith and not your gold. Church, say it's your faith and not your gold. It's your faith and not your gold that God will display as proof or evidence of his victory. In that text, the Bible tells us that our faith is more valuable than gold. Our faith is more valuable than our homes, our jobs, our garages, our tools, our boats, you name it. Our faith is more valuable than all of these things. Now, I got a question for you. How much value do you put on, how much value do you put on your faith? Is it more valuable than your stuff isn't more valuable than your money 
Is it more valuable than your home? Because what the Bible just told us in the book of Second Peter is that our faith is more valuable than gold. And if that's the case, if we say, oh no, I value my, my faith more than anything, then ask yourself, do I really? What's the evidence in my life? What's the proof of that in my, of my life? Our faith is more valuable than gold. It's a precious commodity that really, during the struggles and trials of our life, it's how God will use us to grow, uh, grow us by His faith, uh, by His grace when we're going through the stuff. Many of us have heard about a guy by the name of Moses. His Hebrew name would have been Moshe. Uh, Moses was a guy, he was born Jewish. He was born in Egypt. The nation was held hostage there. They were in bondage for over 400 years. The Pharaoh said, hey, dude, I'm going to kill all the baby boys from two, year, two three-year-old on down. His mama just had him. And he said, man, I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to abort my baby, you know. And so she builds a little basket, puts him in the river, and Pharaoh's daughter finds his kid, Moshe. And she adopts him. And as, as God wills it, she hires Moses' real mama and Moses' real sister to come and hire him. And so Moshe started off as the adopted grandson of the Pharaoh. He grew up in the Pharaoh's palace, whether it was Ramesses the first or Ramesses the second, we don't really know. It doesn't really matter uh, because I happen to believe the word of God. He grew up in, in power and influence. He grew up with privilege. Uh, and, but he also had this foundation of his faith with his mom and his sister. So he grew up uh, as an adopted Egyptian, but in his heart he was still Jewish. And he loved God. Uh, there was an event that took place. There was a slave master or, or a, you know, a, a cracker, if you will. Uh, he was beating up a Jewish person, and Moshe lost his shiz and wound up killing him. And now he's a wanted man, wanted dead or alive. And so he, he hauls tail out of, the, out, of, out of the land, even though he was, you know, Pharaoh's adopted grandson. He, he, uh, he tucks tail and runs, and he's out in the middle of the desert. And he's on the run, he's tending to these sheep, and God comes to him and speaks to him in a burning bush. And this is what God tells him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. And again, y'all, the only people out there beside Moses, the only person or the only thing out there beside Moses is, is, are sheep. And God appears to him and says, hey, dude, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. This is in Exodus chapter 3. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, dude. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, dude, I've been waiting for you to call me. I'm the man for the job. I'm it. That's not exactly what Moses says. He said, dude, are you sure? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And who am I to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? What he does, man, at the very beginning is something that most of us typically do. It's our default mode. God wants us to do something. We start asking him questions. God gives us something to do, and we start questioning what he's, tell, what he's told us. And, and oh, Moses had had this, this, this understanding of God's grace, but God's about to take him deeper. Y'all, I want to read a little bit more of this passage in Exodus chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, you can turn it on or open it up. But the words are going to be on the screen. Uh, I'm going to do this as a response of reading. I'm going to read about 11, 12, I think 11 or 12 verses. I'm going to do the odd, and I'm going to ask you to respond with the even. The word of the Lord says this. Moses said, what if they don't believe me? Or what if they don't listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you, church? The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake and he ran from it as any good man of God would do when there is a snake. 
on the ground, all right? Because the only kind of good snake is a, as the Lord wants it, amen. Let, I don't know what verse y'all are on, but go ahead and go ahead and do it. Four. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe, the Israelites may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. Church, verse 6. Now put it back into your cloak, he said, so when he took it out, it was leprous. Like snow. That's not my verse, is it? Now put it back in your cloak. So he said, I might have to do my fonts bigger next time, guys. Now put it in the back of your cloak. So Moses put his hand back in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Verse 8. So the first miracle is that staff turning into a snake. The second miracle, Moses puts his hand into his cloak, comes out, and it's full of sores, leprosy. Puts it back in, comes back out, and it's like a baby's skin. So that's what's happened so far. Verse 9, but if they do not believe those two signs, listen to you, take some, some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Church? The Lord said to him, who gave you your mouth? Who makes him deaf or, 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 or mute? Who gives him sight or, or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord, church? What a story. Well, I mean, what an incredible story of God coming to Moshe, a guy out in the middle of the desert all by himself, because God is eventually going to do great things in his life. But before we see the breakthrough of Moses getting that opening starring role in the Ten Commandments, you know, before he's standing on the banks of the, of the Red Sea, before he's bringing, turning water into blood, and before the flies and the frogs and the leprosy and all that stuff, He's in the middle of the desert all by himself. God comes to him and he's got questions. He has doubts. In fact, there's a time when Moses can't even say a word. That's the Moses I can identify with. The one who knows God's good, but he's still uncertain. The one who knows that God is the king of the universe, but he still has trouble with his doubt. I want to I uncrack this this morning because God's grace allows for some things that you and I just, we get angry with ourselves when we have them, but I want to I free some of you today. In God's grace, there's room for doubt. In God's grace, there's room to question. And in God's grace, there's even room when we don't know what to say because God's grace is always with us. I want to look at those three things. Number one, God's grace is always with us even when we have questions. It's interesting to me that the first thing we see in the passage is this constant question that Moses asked. What if I go there and nobody listens to me? What if I give, go there and, and nobody gives me a, a second thought? What if they don't believe that you spoke to me? What if they don't believe what happened out here in the desert? And, and we ask those what-if questions. I mean, we ask what-if questions all the time. What if I go to school? What if I get married? What if I start living healthier? What if I start being better with my money? Uh, what if 
I, I look for another job. Now, those what-if questions is not the question Moses is asking. He's not asking that kind of a what-if. The what-if that Moses is asking is a place of doubt. The, the, the source that that question for Moses is coming from is, uh, God, I know what you're telling me. I just don't think it's going to happen. And doubt is something that we're going to get into more in depth as this study goes on this month. Uh, but I want you to be aware that God's okay with your questions. God's okay with my questions. It, it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. And by the way, he does, he's not going to shut off the grace tap because you and I uh, have questions for him. One of the most remarkable verses that really deal with this is found in the book of Mark chapter 9. Uh, a father comes to Jesus and uh, he has a demonically possessed son. And the father comes to him and says, J.C., I, I really need you to, to heal my boy. And Jesus says, well, do you believe I can? And the father says, yes, I believe. But would you help me with my... One of the most powerful, uh, to me, one of the most powerful scriptures, uh, at least for, for my own personal being. Because you know what? I believe in God, but there's sometimes I just doubt. There's times that I, uh, I, I believe him, but, but I, I, I doubt what I know about him sometimes. I question that. Uh, and doubt will slip in during our life. That doubt comes. And, and if, it, if, if you don't have any doubts, good for you. God bless you. I'm, I'm happy for you. But I do. Doubts, doubts come to my mind. Doubts, uh, doubts come along. And that does not mean that God removes his grace from us. Uh, another great example of, of this is when Gabriel comes to Moses. I'm sorry, when Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Hey, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. You're going to give birth to the Christ. And the words that, Moses, uh, that, that Mary uses, she says, How can it be? You know, how can I? I'm not, even, I'm, not, I'm not even really married, you know, and I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. I've never laid with a man. Now you're landed on me that I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. Uh, so she, she begins to ask God questions. Guess what? She still gave birth to Jesus. In fact, she got to a point where she said this when Gabriel talked to her. She said, you know what? I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me according as you say. She says, you know what? I've got doubts. I've got questions. But you know what? Let her rip, Tater Chip. I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. Y'all, just because we have questions, it doesn't mean that you're, you're lost. It doesn't mean that you're some type of a weird, freakish Christian. It doesn't mean that you're weird. It means you're like Moses, okay? You could be in worse company. It means you're in the company of people like Mary. You could have worse company. The thing is, y'all, we, we all deal with this, and we kind of beat up. I beat myself up over it. But I, I want you to know that just because you have questions, it doesn't, mean you're, you don't, it doesn't mean that you're not covered in the grace of God. How often do you bring your questions to God? And here's the amazing thing. He's provided this open-door policy for us through the blood of Jesus that we can boldly approach the throne of God with confidence. And sometimes I boldly approach the throne, the throne, of, uh, the throne of God with great confidence with my questions. God, why would you do that? How come? When did... When did you just tell me that this was going to go through? And we kind of begin to question him. And church, that doesn't mean that God's upset with you. It doesn't mean he's going to thump you on the back of the head because you have questions or because you have doubts or because you don't know what to say. Preacher, prove it to me. You see the life of Moses. He had all of these things. Um, God is big enough to handle every one of our questions. He's never going to say, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to get back with you on that because I don't know. He has... He's God, okay? He's, 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 he's uh, omniscient. He knows everything. Uh, so 
he can show us grace even when we have questions. And doubt's, doubt's a tough, a tough animal to master. Uh, doubt's a, is, a, is a tough thing to corral up because it requires us learning something. And I think what it really requires us learning is this. This is a big thought if I can, if I can explain it well. There's a difference between doubting God and doubting what I know about God. There's a difference between doubting God and then doubting what I know about God. I know that God has promised me that He'll never leave me, forsake me, or abandon me. He's told me that He loves me no matter what. He's with me to the end of the age. Uh, he's told me that He's written my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's told me that the, uh, His hand is upon me. I know these things, but can I be honest with you? There's times I doubt those things because I don't feel it or I'm not walking in it. Now, I don't doubt God. I don't doubt God at all. But sometimes I doubt what I already know about him. Did Moses know that God was faithful? Yes. Did, God, did Moses know that God was going to go with him? Yes, but he still doubted. He still had questions. Guess what? God never one time removed his grace from Moses. Church, we're not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. This is what old Mike has trouble with. This is what I have trouble with, okay? I don't doubt for a minute that God has the best plan for my life. What I doubt is, and what I worry about, is how painful God's best is going to be for me. Because usually it's going to hurt. And usually it's going gonna, it's gonna to involve sacrifice. So I know that God is going to do what's best for me. Where I struggle is, God, how much is it going to hurt? How much is it going to cost? How much is going to have to come from me? Just because what we're going through in our life doesn't feel good, it doesn't mean that God isn't there. Man, we go through all kinds of life that stink, hurt. But it doesn't mean that He's not there. It's okay to ask Him questions. He's prepared. So, God's grace is with us even if we have questions. But secondly, God's grace is with us even when uh, we have doubts. Uh, God is willing to show up in the miraculous, in the middle of our doubt, in order to get us where we need to be. In the middle of our doubt, God will show up so He can take us where we need to be. Even when we don't believe, even when we don't believe, God's grace still shows up. Moses' initial inquiry toward God had to do with the Israelite people doubting that God had spoke to him. It wasn't necessarily, you know, I don't have the skill set. He's going to, the first thing out of the gate was Moses saying, what if they don't believe you and I had this conversation? What about them people? What about those folks you're sending me to? What if they ain't buying it? What if they think, oh, that's the dude that killed uh, Ricky a couple weeks ago. You know, that's, that's the guy who uh, he tried to hit the body under, tried to hide the body underneath some sand. So God gives him a couple of signs for the people. But let me ask you something. Before Moses did those signs before the people, and before Moses would do that snake trick and that, that hand trick, before he did that before the people and before Pharaoh, where did he do it with God at? He did it in private. God spoke to him in private, revealed himself in private, showed himself in private. God spoke to him in private. Church, here's the deal. If you want to know that God is with you, spend time with God privately. And when God spends time with you privately, when your world is unraveling publicly, you can still trust Him. Because of what He showed you privately. 
Because the words of the ministry He gave you privately. Each one of us, y'all, we're in a different spot in our faith journey. Every single one of us have different things that hang us up on our trip along the way. We struggle to believe that maybe God's present or we fail to believe that God's going to help us through our struggle. Hey, you know what? Don't beat yourself up. It is a human tendency. It's in your nature. It's in my nature. When things are not going right, we think, God, are you, are, are you, are, are you on vacation? We kind of begin to doubt some things, but church, when the Holy Spirit begins to guide us, He begins to change our heart, our mind, and lets us know that God is faithful. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 14, because those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God and they are the daughters of God. If you want to know if you're a son or a child of God, Where's the Holy Spirit in your life? Is He leading you? And by the way, the Holy Spirit will never lead us down the wrong road. When we begin to talk with God about our questions and our doubts, we start to understand where our faith needs to be strengthened. God, when are you going to hurry up and move? What God will tell me in times like that is to say, when are you going to hurry up and, and trust me in my timing? God, how come you didn't let this promotion go through? Because if you got in that promotion, you'd be around people who would tear you down. You see, Moses sees God's work with two miraculous signs, the hand and the snake. God strengthens Moses' faith with those signs. How many of y'all ever got a sign from God that strengthened your faith? It might be something that only you and God knows about. It might be something that only you and the Almighty are privy to. But it has strengthened your faith. Y'all, in the darkest times of our life, I'm going to encourage you. Praise God. In the darkest time, even when you don't feel like it, praise God. Because here's the amazing thing. God wants us to worship and He wants us to praise Him. But in those dark times, I encourage you to praise even louder because you need to let the enemy know who's pursuing you that you're not scared of the dark. God's already revealed to me, devil, that He's with me and He's my friend. I'm not an enemy of God. He's never going to leave me or forsake me or abandon me. So I'm going to sing in the middle of the hell that I'm walking through because, devil, I want you to know I am not scared. Even when we doubt, even when we have questions, God's grace is with us. You ever, uh, Pam and I have been together freshman year, right between eighth grade and freshman year. And we're at the point now in our marriage, I'm 52, Pam's 64, uh, where we are, she looks awesome for 64. Uh, this is what I know. We can be sitting in a restaurant and somebody comes in wearing a, uh, I don't know, skanky looking outfit or something. And me and Miss Pam will look at each other and we'll have an internal dialogue with each other just looking at each other. And I know what she's thinking. Can you believe she wore that into this restaurant looking like a hoochie mama? And I'm looking at her too saying, look at We're talking to each other like like we have ESPN, you know. I'm reading her mind and she's reading my mind. And I couldn't have done that back in 1986. But I can do it in 2022. You know why? Because I've been with her for a minute. And she's been with me for a minute. We know what we're thinking and we know how we track and we know what we do and, and, and we know each other. That comes by spending time privately with that person. Church, if you want to know the heart of God, the will of God, the face of God, the way God sounds, and you want to know how God wants us to move, spend time with Him. You want to overcome some of your doubts and some of your questions. Uh, the reason some of you have them is because this is the only hour you give to God the entire week. Time spent together is the key. 
That's how you get to know him intimately. That's how you get to know him personally. And uh, if you want God to deal with your doubts and your questions, spend time with him. In his word, pray, things like that. And because we spend time with God privately, we can trust him when our world's going off the tracks publicly. So God's grace is with us when we have questions, when we have doubts. And lastly, uh, God's grace is with us when we don't know what to say. When we don't even have the words. You ever had more stuff on your plate than you can say grace over? Like, God, you've given me a mountain this time. I don't even know where to start praying. I don't know if I need to pray for delivery or for you, God, or to take me home. I don't know whether I should pray for healing or for home. Um, and sometimes we just, we don't know what to say. You ever had a problem in your life and you just say, God, I don't know how to pray. I don't know where to start. And you're just kind of looking at that mess that's your life and you're without words. I was listening to J.R.E. the other day and there was this film producer, uh, director on there. His name is Matt Walsh. And I'm not going to tell you what the film is. If you want to know what the film is, you can Google it. That's not my point this morning. My point is, have you ever heard something from somebody or and they, they give an answer and you... It's like, how, how do you reply to that? It's like a whole other level of silliness. I want to show you just like a 40-second clip. And uh, back in March, uh, the justice that was just appointed to the Supreme Court, Justice uh, Ketanji Jackson, she was asked the same question. Uh, but I want, you to look, I want you to look at it. And then I, I want you to, uh, Brother Don's going to help me out with this, but I want you to look on the, the face of some of these people. It's like, I can't believe she just said that. How do you reply to that? Jane? In society, let me start with a real basic question. What is a woman? A woman? <laughs> I don't want to assume, but you guys are all yeah. women? Yeah, we're women. So how would you define it, like in the simplest terms? That is hard. Yeah, it is. It is a stumper. A woman is someone that likes to be pretty and think of themselves as a delicate creature. I'm pretty and delicate. Okay. <laughs> I could be a woman too. Yes, you could. Defining womanhood is yep. just a project of someone who identifies as a woman. Yeah, but what, like, what do they identify? You see what I'm saying? What do they identify as? They identify as a woman, but what is that? I don't know what to say. I'm at a loss for words. Come to that dark side connect group this week, all right? Because what's going on in our culture is not just crazy, it's satanic. And we look at this and, and it's like, God, I don't, I don't know what to say. I have, I, I, I'm at a loss for words. And we've all had times in our life where something is said or something happened that's like, I, I, I don't have a reply. I don't have a response. I don't even know how to react. But when we don't know how to approach that conversation or we don't know what to say, God has made us a promise. Even in the middle of our doubt, in the middle of our question, He says this, hey, you know what? I've got a job for you. And even when you don't know what to say, I'll speak for you. I'll give you what you need to say in the moment you need it. He did it for Moses. He did it for the apostles in Acts chapter 4. And church, He'll do it for you too. 
You be at a funeral, you're talking to a co-worker, a family member about the gospel. You're trying to turn an everyday conversation into a gospel conversation. And you're thinking, well, I don't have the training or I'm afraid I'll mess this up or I won't know what to do. Church, we have a promise from God. He will tell us what to say when we need it. This is what the Lord says in the book of Luke chapter 12, verse 11. When you're brought before the synagogues, when you're brought before the rulers and the authorities, when you're talking to your mother-in-law or your son or your daughter, when you're talking to your professor, or your boss or your co-worker when you're uh, having to defend the faith this is what the Bible says don't worry about how you defend yourself or what you'll say for the Holy Spirit and by the way the Holy Spirit is the one leading every man, child, woman of God the Holy Spirit will teach you at what time? at that time well I don't know what to say I want to be prepared hey you know what we need to stop preparing less and start praying more and God says at the right time I'll tell you what you should say. Y'all, God's timing's perfect. And when we need the words the most, God will give us the words when we need them the most. On Exodus, in Ex- our Exodus 4 passage concludes with these profound words that God speaks to Moses. He says, now go, Mo. You go on. I'll be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Y'all, that's the call God gives us today. Go out, share, share the good news, and when you show up, I will speak through you. Now, Let's put the rubber on the road. How many of y'all believe that? He'll give you the words to say. How many of y'all doubt that at the same time? Thank you for your honesty. That's the struggle. We believe. We believe God. But sometimes we doubt what we know about God. That makes sense? I know what God said and I believe it. But sometimes I doubt what I already know about Him. And that's where we have this disconnect. Sometimes the plans in our heart are not the plans of God. And no matter, how try, how, no matter how hard we try to fight and argue with God to get our way for something we don't really even need, but we'll fight with Him over it. And it's our nature that makes us believe that it has to happen right now. Oh, if God's going to answer my prayer, it's going to be right now. It's got to be at this very moment. Nahum 1.7 The Lord is good. He's a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust Him. Does God know what time is going on in your life right now? Uh huh. He knows whether it's a time of trouble or whether it's a time of triumph. And if it's a time of trouble, He's watching you and He will give you what you need. Uh, there's a follow-up verse on that with Isaiah 60, verse 22. The, uh, at the right time, I, the Lord, will... Make it happen, Captain. You see, God is a God who's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time. Don't mistake God's patience as God being absent from you. You're thinking, well, when God's going to show up? When's He going to be here? When's He going to give me a word of encouragement? When is He going to speak to me? Hey, don't mistake His patience for His absence. He never leaves. He's operating on a different schedule than you and I are. Who is... Who is He telling you to invite to church with you? Who's inviting you to bring to connect group? What is He telling you to go speak? Who is He telling you to go speak to? What's He having you do? What does He want you to serve in this church? Maybe He wants to have you do pray and go. Maybe it's to make coffee. Man, I don't know. But here's the thing. Whatever God gives you to do, He's going to give you the tools to do it. When you need it, He's going to give you the tools. It's in these very moments when 
we're not trained and we don't know what to say, don't know what to think, we've got questions and we have doubts, it's in those moments that God will give us the grace we need in our lives. We realize He's with us, He's been with us, He'll continue to be with us and He ain't never leaving. All right, last page. Today, y'all, we get a glimpse of the early life and the growing life of Moshe. The man had doubts. The man was scared. The man had questions. Dude didn't even know what to say when God spoke to him. But guess what? He still winds up in the hall of faith. And when we think about Moses' day, it's like some of you maybe never heard of the story of Moses and you're thinking, he ain't all that in a bag of chips. Because I do that same thing. Nobody's ever put me in the, the hall of faith. Okay. But let me tell you the good, let me flip the coin over for you. Let me show you the silver lining on that cloud. If Moses can wind up in the hall of faith, Anna, we got hope. We still got a shot. God can, if God can use him, he can use me. He can use us. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 23-29. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. There was an anointing on him. And they were not afraid of the Pharaoh's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up by the... Oh, wow. What? Moses learned the faith from his parents. Mom and dad were faithful. And guess what? Moses grew up to be faithful. You wonder why your kids are wandering away from God? Ask yourself, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. His pedigree because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith it was Moses left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He, pers uh, he, he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea on the dry ground. But when the Egyptian tried to do so they were drowned. Hey church, listen to me. You might be going through your own hell, your own valley, your own Red Sea. God's grace never leaves you. God's, you might have questions. You might have doubts. Heck, you may not even know what to say. It's okay. God's grace is still with you. Because it's not, God's grace is not based on your performance. It's not based on how well or how poorly you did or what kind of grade you made on the test. His grace never leaves. Pam, if you wouldn't mind coming up, huh? I could only imagine if, if Moses were here today, he would say it was only by the grace of God he was able to accomplish all the things that he did. He couldn't have done it without him. And yes, Moses was an amazing human being, but y'all, he was an amazing, he was, an, he was a human being just like us. Put his pants on one leg at a time just like us. Had doubts just like us. Had questions just like us. Sometimes didn't even know what to say just like us. But he loved God. He trusted God. He was broken, fallible, sinful human being, but he was also saved by the grace of God, just like you and me. It wasn't the law that saved Moses. It's not the law that saved anybody. Man, the law has never saved a person, but the grace of God has saved everyone who will ever be saved. I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe this morning you have doubts or you have questions and you have fear today. Then you're in good company. Today I encourage you to give them all over to God. Trust that He's with you, that He's not against you. Trust that His grace is there for you. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's the gift of God. Oh, it's easy to believe that God is 
always with us even when we're it's easy to believe that God's with us when we're in a season that we enjoy when things are going well it's a little bit harder when things ain't going right it's a little bit harder when things are beating up against the rocks but y'all when life seems to be throwing us curveballs left and right God's still with us well preach what about when there's stress coming in from every side what about when I don't feel confident moving forward? Well, my friend, you're just like Moses in the Old Testament. God's grace, is, God's grace is with us even when we have questions. God's grace is with us even when we don't believe. God's grace is with us even when we don't know what to say. Church, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, could I just ask you to stand to your feet? As your heads continue to bow and your eyes are closed, in a moment I'm going to ask you to say a prayer with me just as a way to say, God, I'm going to trust you when it's hard because of your grace. I'm going to trust you when it's difficult because of your grace. Y'all, as much as I love the Lord, there's been times that I've veered into doubt myself. And whether my attitude came out as fear or upset or even impatience, every time I failed, God has revealed a weak spot in my journey, a weak spot in my faith, and He'll do the same for you. Holy Spirit's already told you, say, hey, yeah, man, I can fix that for you. I can fix that for you. I can fix that for you.